0: Hello, and welcome to Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Liam Johnson, Matthew Jacob, Stephanie Franz, and Stuart Plemons. Thanks, guys. I'm Matt Enlow, And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today
1: we have Natalie Metzger on the podcast. She is a producer that we have been trying to get on forever because she's produced so many things that we were very excited about. And it has produced for so many previous guests of ours. She produced the movie Greener Grass that premiered at Sundance this year. Directed by Jocelyn and Don, who were on the podcast, she did Thunder Road, the feature, and she's producing another movie for Jim Cummings right now, and producing another movie with Josh Rubin. Josh Rubin, another previous guest, and every movie she produces is like really cool and interesting Super and good.
0: unique. Yeah, yeah. Natalie's like the thumb of the Infinity Gauntlet. She's like the final gem in the like vanishing angle lineup. Nothing. Right. Vanishing Angle being the production company that she works with. Right. For listeners. Yep. Yep.
1: (laughs) And then is the thumb gem, is that, which gem is that? Do you know? Uh,
0: I don't remember which one that is. And actually, I guess there's the one in the middle of the hand, the back of the hand as well. Right. Cause it's six stones. Oh, there's
1: six gems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect segue into
1: something I wanted to talk to you about, Matt, which is, have you read the Martin Scorsese article?
0: Oh. That uh, he
1: wrote? for the new york times about the reaction to his comment so martin scorsese said that marvel movies aren't cinema Mm -hmm. and people were up in arms about it
0: yeah uh well like the rest of the internet i haven't uh read that article but i do have plenty of opinions okay Well, uh, (laughs) Uh, No, I I don't actually have. I I think actually that he's pretty reasoned in terms of like where he's coming from. And also, you know, that's not where everyone else is coming from. Right. So
1: he wrote this article. It's pretty short. I recommend reading it. He wrote it for the New York Times. And he talks about what he meant when he said that. Mm -hmm. And of course, he kind of explain that he doesn't think that the filmmakers that make Marvel movies are not talented at all. He thinks they're all great, and there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of amazing filmmakers making Marvel movies. So Scorsese said that when he was becoming a filmmaker, what excited him about filmmaking, what excited him about Hitchcock, and about all the filmmakers mm-hmm. that were big around his time, but also he talked about Ari Aster, and he talked about Wes Anderson, and P.T. Anderson, and a few other directors that are making movies now. He's like, the, the reason movies excited my friends and me is because we would go to the movies and we wouldn't know what to expect. You know, Mm -hmm. people were taking giant, giant risks and they would make stories that might connect with people, might not connect with people. They would try to be experimental. They would Mm -hmm. try to Mm -hmm. show emotions in a new way. They would try to show all these various things in new ways. And to him, a Marvel movie is like the exact opposite of risk-taking. Sure. Let me ask you this, Oren.
0: Have you seen Hugo? His movie, mm-hmm. the three D movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so predictable, right? Like I, I don't. It, this isn't uh, an occasion to shit on Martin Scorsese because he's done plenty, <laughs> plenty of great movies. But like, I I get that point a hundred percent. And also, if you do enough work, you're gonna fall into some cliches and be a little more predictable than you want to be, right? Yeah, but maybe Scorsese doesn't think
1: of Hugo as his most cinematic of movies. Also, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But like, if you think about Taxi Driver or Raging Bull, sure, or, you know, even, even like Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like, or um, the Aviator, like he takes, he just seems to dig deep in ways that you aren't necessarily expecting and you don't know what's going to happen next. And I don't know, it made me think like, you know, I've always, I've been the one on this podcast that's always like the one that wants to direct a Marvel movie, Mm -hmm. but when he references someone like an Ari Aster mm-hmm. or PT Anderson, and you do think about the movies they make and the way they make you feel, and you might hate their movies, you know, or they might do nothing for you. They might be overhyped or whatever, but they're still causing conversation in a way that the Marvel movies don't. I mean, the Marvel movies cause conversation, yeah. it's, but it's more, I don't know. I, I guess I just felt like I really understood where he was coming from and it made me want to make stuff. Well, you sent me a short film today that like a script, Mm -hmm. right, of a short that you want to make. And it's like kind of out of left field in this crazy way. And I think that's like reading an article from Scorsese about how Marvel movies are so predictable makes me more
0: encouraging of you making that. I I remind you of Scorsese all the time. You're always saying that (laughs) off mic. You're just like, you call me Marty half the time. It's almost embarrassing. Um, Yeah, thank you. That's nice, nice of you to hear or nice of me. Nice of you to say. <laughs> good for me to hear, I suppose. Yeah, I, you know, so it makes me think of the summer after my first year of film school, I went back home and I worked at the Hollywood Video, which was the video store that I worked in in high school as well. And this was, you know, that, that freshman year, I lived on the cinema floor. I met like people, a ton of people that I'm still good friends with to this day who had very, very different eclectic taste. You know, I knew a guy who... Love Jackie Chan and Godzilla movies obsessively, and then also a dude who owned every single Criterion edition DVD, and they lived next door to each other. You know what I mean? It was like a that kind of ideal sort of film school eye opening experience, right? Right. And then that summer, I went back and worked at the video store with my highfalutin taste now, and I would like had was veering much more into the, like artsier stuff and more esoteric stuff than I was the more populist. And that summer, I just remember realizing very clearly after I'd recommended movies that I really, really loved to people and they were dissatisfied, you know, they, it wasn't what they were looking for. Right. Like true foe for like the, yeah. the family, the family mean, that comes in. I wasn't that daft, but I did, I did have some big misses, you know, I feel like I remember pushing the Royal Tenenbaums pretty hard, which, you know, I love anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is classic film school idiocy. That summer I just realized, like, you know, people watch movies for all sorts of different reasons. And the lady who rented Save the Last Dance every single day for an entire summer mm-hmm. liked watching Save the Last Dance over and over <laughs> and over again. You know? Right. To me, like, yes, I understand that like a person could could love cinema with their whole heart and also not connect to those Marvel movies. I've seen every single one of those movies, and sometimes they're super duper boring to me, and sometimes I'm in awe of the incredible cinematic feat of creating a 20 movie arc that is daring and exciting to me. Do you know what I mean? And so, yes. and some, look, did we all know exactly how Endgame was going to go down? Yeah, sure, of course. But like, that's different than calling something cinema or not. And frankly, it doesn't, I think it's just like an embarrassing argument to have. Like, I I want to have more interesting cinema for sure like if everything was just junk food over and over and over again that would be a problem but like i like cheetos and i also like you know fancy salads i spent too much money on i I still would love to direct a marvel movie sure Um, yeah uh i would love to
1: direct a marvel tv show i'd like to love to direct a short commercial featuring a marvel (laughs) superhero sure but that said i think there is some value in thinking about how The work you're doing, how it makes people feel, and how it's unique, and how it is trying to use the medium in a way that it hasn't Mm -hmm. been used before. Like, who's the guy that did The Witch that now has the Lighthouse movie? Robert Eggers. But, you know, the fact that he made this like four by three black and white film that people are saying is very interesting, you know, like in 2019 is super cool. And I don't think you get to make the Marvel movie until you've made Brick or you've made even Chronicle or some movie that nowadays seems like so cliche, but when it was made, it's, it was like unique and special. Exciting. And so, yeah. yeah, I think that that's the thing that it kind of reawakened in me as like, it's like, why am I trying to make stuff that feels like a short Marvel movie? You know, mm-hmm. I should make something that feels like nothing you've seen before, but is still telling
0: a story and hopefully emotionally resonant in some way. Well, when you always said that you wanted to direct a Marvel movie, I never thought that you literally meant that you grew up loving Thor and wanted to make a Thor movie or something. I thought you always just were like, I want to make like a a fun, big budget, star-studded, PG-13 action movie with some comedic element. Yeah. And that's I just think, like... I think what, that's an accurate reception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's like... There's a big spread between Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok, right? I think that's the fun of like the way that those movies are working, or like Spider Verse yeah. or whatever, or, right? Yeah, Logan to Spider Verse, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like you just want to be playing in the studio system, and the that's what those that's what they're making right now, basically.
1: Yeah, but I'm super. I've not seen Jojo Rabbit or Parasite yet, but I'm like super, just as excited to go watch those movies as. The- there yeah. actually isn't yeah. a marvel movie i'm super excited for right now sure well i mean after 20 movies i think they
0: they did it i'm yeah <laughs> i don't know that i i'll ever um be excited to go to another one you know i think we maybe even talked about this on the show i'm very excited about this movie season because you know we we've, we've had marvel movies for so long right mm-hmm I think there's a Star Wars one coming out, right? Yeah, and we've got Star Wars is, is winding down. So, like, the big... So, Star Wars is, will be done. Marvel movies will be done. And I know they're, they've got another phase or whatever, but, like, I doubt people are going to be as excited as, like, this 20-movie lead-up, right? Like, that's it. Right. And then I feel like there was another big franchise that, oh, Game of Thrones is over, right? And so, to me, I'm hoping that this is the end of one era that style of filmmaking and that you know i don't think it's a coincidence it's early in the year for us to be talking about awards movies right like that people are talking about parasite or the farewell or you know the lighthouse this early on feels yeah even hustlers yeah yeah exactly exactly those were all we're naming movies that people cared about that they were interested in that they watched along with those other movies and also are they're excited about them so i think like now that we're running out of like blockbuster ip you know i think we're gonna see a new era of smaller mid-budget movies again i hope we'll see yeah with all that said can you guess which
1: movie i'm most excited for in november i I don't know and probably star wars i don't know what no what frozen (laughs) two yeah yeah I'm so excited to take my yeah, sure. daughter to go see it. And it's like everyone in the family, it's like, hey, can I take Winter to see Frozen too? Like, and I'm no like, No nope. way. You can
0: get in line. Oh, yeah. Wait, has she seen a movie in the movie theaters yet? Yeah, she uh, saw okay. Toy Story yeah. 4, which I,
1: I didn't think was like the perfect movie to see in a movie. Did she care her. about the other Toy Story
0: movies? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. My, my first was Follow That Bird, which was the first Sesame Street movie and was a mm, phenomenon. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I don't know what my first movie in the theater was. I did watch a lot of. I think I watched like all the Ninja Turtles yeah, yeah. movies in the movie theater. But cool. Well, speaking of awesome movies that are kind of breaking barriers and new ground, let's talk to Natalie Metzger, who has so much good information. I mean, there's so there's like two or three amazing takeaways that I got from this that I was not expecting. Speaking of awesome, kind of groundbreaking films, I'm excited for you all to hear our interview with Natalie Metzger. But before we jump into that, we want to tell you real quick about our Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. And Patreon is a way that if you like the podcast, if you feel like you're getting something out of it, you want to support us, give us a dollar a month, anything. It's super helpful. It helps us pay for our server space and our live events and all the things. And speaking of live events, if you are a patron on our Patreon, then you get into our live events for free, which means free food, free drinks, free everything. Uh, pretty much pays for itself. Yeah. So if you gave $1 a month and came to two events, you
0: would be in the red. Or did you know this? In the black? In the black, the black p- yeah. yeah. Did you know that... We just hit the $300 mark. Oh, on Patreon? It's our first threshold. That's our first goal. Originally, that number was designed to mean that our editor, Jay, and back then it was Chris and Jay, that we would break even with paying them. But we have since given our editors a race. And so <laughs> that is not the case. <laughs> um, no, but it's still
1: cool. Yeah. And it's, what's cool is also that it's you know from a, a bunch of different people. So it's exciting. So yeah, so check out patreon.com slash just shoot pod. And otherwise, let's get on with the show. We're here with Natalie Metzger. And Hi, guys. Gonna... Give you all the secrets of how to get your film made.
2: Hopefully.
0: When are yeah. they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natalie, uh, I feel like uh, avid listeners will have heard your name many times. You produced Greener Grass and Thunder Road. Um, and you're on a, like, a real hot oh, show. And right she now. did Little Dicky's Freaky Friday, which oh, was one of my unpaid endorsements. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, that was a fun one.
0: So uh, we're so excited to have you on the show finally. Welcome.
2: Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Um, you were saying before we started that uh, you're just about to start another new movie.
2: Yeah. So we're in post-production on Jim's uh, Jim Cummings' second feature, The Werewolf. Um, and then we are uh, in pre-production for his third feature, The Beta Test, which we're shooting in two weeks.
0: It's funny. You don't look... Utterly exhausted. Because also Greener Grass is going into wider release as well, right?
2: Yeah. So uh Greener Grass released this past week. So we were doing screenings and Q and press, and then we're um, expanding beyond New York and LA um this coming week. Um I'm I'm very excited that you don't think I look exhausted. Yesterday I got to the office at 4 a.m. and oh. didn't leave until like nine p.m.
0: Well but... <laughs> maybe maybe a little tired. <laughs> wow. Why
1: would you go into the office at 4 a.m.?
2: Um because we're shooting in two weeks <laughs> and we've been in post-production on this other movie, and so uh, you know, it's like ramping up for this new thing as, you know, we just got studio approval for picture lock on the werewolf. So oh, like right. once we got that, it was like, um, full force.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I'm curious, you know, you guys have done such an inspiring and great job at like being utterly independent, right? Like Thunder Road was distributed solely through your company, right? Self-distributed. Is there a studio for this, this movie? Like you said, there was a studio lock, et cetera. Like, can you talk about that deal at all?
2: Um, Yeah. So uh, I I can probably talk about it. It'll probably be announced before you guys put it live, but just in case it isn't just FYI. Um, But uh, yeah, we're doing that. We're partnering with um, MGM's Orion um, for the werewolf. And so, um, yeah, they're the distributor behind it and um, funded the thing. And um, yeah, it's been a really great partnership with them.
0: That's exciting. I think uh, Night Owls was distributed by Orion as well.
2: Yeah, so they so they essentially – it had, you know, kind of fallen by the wayside, and mm-hmm. they just rebooted it recently, like in the last couple of years, as their, like, auteur horror division. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've done films like The Prodigy. Um, they're doing this new Gretel and Hansel movie that's going to be coming out soon. They did um, Child's Play. I like the new, that, Gretel and new, Hansel.
1: It's very – Yeah. Very current. (laughs) Switching it up. Yeah.
2: Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, they, uh, they got behind Jim's, um, werewolf script that he had written like a couple years ago. Um, a a bunch of companies essentially came to us after Thunder Road, after Mm -hmm. we won the grand jury at South by and they, um, they're like, what other scripts do you have? And, you know, Jim had like three or four other scripts that he had kind of in his back pocket. And, um, X, Y, Z. they did like the invitation and like a bunch of other great, great um horror and thriller movies. They came to us, and they're like, "Does Jim have any genre movies? And uh, Jim's like, "I have this werewolf script that I wrote a couple years ago, and they're like, "Great, send it to us. They read it. They loved it. Um they brought it to MGM. MGM loved it. And it was, essentially it was a very quick green light. And then we started um shooting that in uh, March of this of this past year in Utah. Um we were there for a couple months. and uh, yeah, we've been in post um, ever since we got back and just picture locked and it's going to be released. Um, we just got a release date, March 21st of 2020. It's going to be a wide theatrical release.
0: Awesome. Holy cow. So
1: exciting. That's so crazy. I mean, if someone came to you and, you know, like, because you're to Austin Film Festival next week and they're like, hey, what do you got? Um, you got any features? You'd be like, oh, yeah, I have a, yeah, I have a yeah, genre yeah. feature. And then you'd like run home and try to like write a genre feature. But then somehow Jim Cummings has a script that
0: everyone loves. He's got like, it in the shoebox. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. let, let's talk a little bit more, actually, Natalie, about um, the way that you work with filmmakers, right? Like, we talked a lot about Jim, and I'm sure we will plenty more in this episode. Um, but you also collaborated very closely with uh, Jocelyn and Dawn of Greener Grass. Um, and you're also a writer and director yourself. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so tell us how, how you come to work with these filmmakers and what your relationship is like. Tell, walk us through that whole thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, usually... Um, you know, people always ask, like, oh, you know, like, do I just send you a script? Like, you know, how does it work? And, like, I, you know, I don't normally go off of scripts. It's, like, all about, like, people and, mm-hmm. like, just relationships. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, with with Jim, um, um, I met him – uh, because so right after he won the grand jury at Sundance for his th- uh, short film of Thunder Road, he got commissioned by full screen, um, to do this like series of this anthology series mm-hmm. of six short, f- um, films that were all single takes and, um, c- getting commissioned to do short films. Who's ever heard of that? Sure, right. Unfortunately, full screen is no longer in existence, yeah. but, you know. um, <laughs> all if right. we be. had,
1: yeah, every <laughs> time someone said that
0: about some company on this podcast, we and we always have a show on that network i had a full screen show yeah i did go 90 go 90 yeah i had two full screen series and it
2: was just like oh wait
0: what about maker i'm just kidding (laughs) i was like wait what (laughs) i almost had a maker series too and then then they went out um (laughs) pretty rough you guys
2: yeah the the second full screen series that i did is called living rooms um it it Uh, We got a call from our execs over there three days before we were supposed to go live. We had all the key art, all the marketing, Mm. the trailer was done, the film was ready, delivered, or the series was ready and delivered. And um, three days before we were supposed to go live, we get a call from our execs and they just sounded shell-shocked. They're like, hey, we just came out of a conference meeting and... um, it sounds like full screen's going under, so we don't know what's happening with their series. We don't know what's happening with our jobs, but we just thought sure. we should let you know.
0: And you're like, how did you not see this coming? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, but yeah, it was like such a bummer because then like we had this show that like ended up not like Ever getting seen? a release. Sure. Um, yeah. We ended up being able to like, you know, get it to a, a different place, but it's it's kind of it totally fizzled because it didn't yeah. have that that push. Um But yeah, so Jim was like looking for a producer to help him with this full screen series. Um, And so he went to Matt Miller of Vanishing Angle um, and said like, I need a producer for this. And and Matt was like, oh, you should talk to Natalie. Um, And I'd been doing a couple of little Vanishing Angle projects as well as freelancing a bunch of other places. And so Jim and I met and we just like, immediately clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was in the middle of producing a YouTube bread series at the time. And essentially uh, the day that we wrapped was on a Friday. And then um, on the next Monday, I started pre pro for his full screen series um, and was like wrapping out the other project. I was, I was, I was starting his um, series. And then, so we did those six short films. Yeah. And then when he got asked a topic, commissioned three more short films from him, which he asked me to produce. And then, but uh, yeah. And then we did the thunder road feature together, obviously. And so um, in, in, in the middle of all of that, um, Don and Jocelyn had actually, they had had the Greener Grass short at the <laughs> Festival Circuit at the same time as the Thunder Road short.
1: Wait, right, so, can I ask you, sorry, just to back up a second, because I think a question I hear from our listeners a lot is, like, hey, I'm, I'm a filmmaker, and I know you guys all keep saying to just shoot it, but, like, I need, I have a script, and I have, like, an idea, but I, I need someone to, like, help produce this for me. Like, when you first started working with Jim, he came to you with a project and a distributor, and a budget already, right? Like, mm-hmm. you didn't have to worry about those yeah. things.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, a lot but of... But
0: Green and Grass was just an idea,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Green and Grass was a script. I mean, I had done a short film with with the two of them before that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I had done a ton of short films before... Um, before working at VA and, and and had done a bunch of like pilots and things. And a lot of those was just like, let's, let's figure it out. You know, like sometimes the um, if it's a short film that the director wants to use as like a proof of concept or just like as like a a calling card um, sometimes like they'll, um, you know, self-finance it. But like, I would come in to, you know, help them with the logistics and getting everyone on board Um, sometimes. And what's your,
0: why would you do that? Um, Like the real question is, are you getting paid for all of those or are some of them like passion projects?
2: So when I first started producing, um, I was... I was just making my own short films and like I, I literally just bought a DSLR camera, started like shooting stuff, editing it on my laptop, and um and it was in the process of doing that. I started submitting to festivals and they started getting like awards and attention. I was like, Oh, this is cool, I'll make more of these.
1: And you went to CalArts, right? You went I to went to CalArts,
2: but no, not oh. to film school. I have a masters in dance.
0: Oh, oh. yeah. That's so cool. I was that, frankly that makes a little more sense because <laughs> CalArts is like Real artsy fartsy? Like, yes, it's that's very where experimental. The, the term art school damage. You know, you come out into the real world and you're like, oh wait, like yeah, there's a whole n- no one cares about my commerce. experimental animation degree.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So I was studying choreography there. I was making these like really weird experimental theater um things. And um and yeah, so I started making these films on the side, and then my film school friends actually were like, Hey, can you help me make my short the way that you made your short? And, you know, for a lot of the theater things, I was booking the vendors. I was, like, booking the venues. Mm-hmm. I was casting. I was I was doing all the things. You were producing. I was producing. And so um and so I would just, like, help them out. And, like, I didn't even really, I don't think, understand what the word producer was. It was just what I had done for all of my projects. And so I was like, yeah, I can help you do those things. Um And so – and then my friends started recommending me to, like, their other friends. Mm-hmm. So it became, like, a friend of a friend thing. And I was just, like, helping out on those projects for free. And then one day someone reached out to me and was like – Hey, someone so recommended you. We want you to produce this short film. Um, here's what we can pay you. And I'm like, oh, cool! I can get paid for this. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Excellent." laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's like totally a word of mouth thing that I just like was like doing it, and then just started getting paid to do it. Um, which is awesome.
1: And were you always like even on that first paid gig? do you read the script and like give note, like were you always on the creative side of things as well?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, cause I think a lot of people knew that I was like directing a lot of my own stuff and and that I'd come from like a creative background of like directing and writing and choreographing for the theater. And so, um, yeah, it was like always just a very collaborative relationship. Like I, I often say that the producer director is like, um like it's like it's a marriage like you're like in it together um in in, in an ideal world you have a producer that's like in it in the trenches with you like helping you know with like the like the creative and also with the business and the logistics side but um but it should be like a like a team that you know you don't kind of separate and do you
1: ever have you done projects where you feel like you're what you see creatively is different than what the directors seeing creatively
2: um Early on, uh, just because I was kind of taking on whatever projects people asked me to do, so I wasn't really being very very picky. I feel like for some of those, um, I, I I was kind of like, oh, I don't understand what the director's vision is here, or um, or I'm I, I I'm not super you know wild about this material, but I'll just like do it. Um, I did a lot of uh, like. Um, Features that were just just like literally existed just to make money. Um, so Mm -hmm. like
1: uh, like creature feature type things, uh, like like like
2: international pre sales movies, like you know, oh, this is a family movie, it'll do great, you know, kind of thing. So, um, so I did a lot of those. Um, that I just learned a lot. Um, and and uh, and that was great, but. But then as I started doing more and more, I started being able to be a little bit more picky of like, cool, like this is the kind of project I want to be doing. But yeah, Jim was actually the person that introduced me to Don and Jocelyn um, because they had known each other on the Mm -hmm. festival circuit. They had um, written and uh, starred in two short films, the the Greener Grass short and this film called Buzz, but they hadn't directed them. And so when they were getting ready to do their directorial debut as a short film called The Arrival, they went to Jim and they're like, we need a producer. Who would you recommend? Sure, we need
0: some help. Yeah.
2: And, um, And he was like, you should to talk to Natalie. And so I met with them and like, we, uh, I just love them so much. <laughs> I, I'm totally obsessed with them. So, uh, so yeah, so, um, I produced the, their short film for them, the arrival and then.
1: Wait, what about Tony Ascenda? How does that tie into any of this? Stuff?
2: Oh yeah. So Tony.
1: And that's why I asked the college humor question because everyone you've worked with worked at college humor.
2: Yeah. And they all like went to Emerson. So everyone thinks that I oh, went to yeah. Emerson, but I went sure. to Emory, which is very funny, but, um, very confusing. <laughs> But yeah, so Tony was actually the first, um, one of the first directors that I worked with at Vanishing Angle. So um, I had wow. done this pilot at VA um, for this show um, called Matt Pat's Game Lab that, we have, that eventually mm-hmm. became a YouTube Red series. Um, and the second project that I did at VA, <laughs> Matt Miller reached out to me. Um, it was a music video with Tony Ascenda for um, the band 303. You guys know them Mm-mm. um in any way uh it's it's a song called my dick <laughs> and so after yeah,
0: like i like the, the ring little, of
2: that yeah yeah good. yeah tony's yeah. made a whole career out of yeah. dick jokes yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah. impressive Yeah. Well
1: done, <laughs> done. Um. and he's awesome but like tasteful dick jokes oh
2: yeah oh <laughs> like smart smart yeah. dick jokes yeah. um so yeah so uh so matt reached out to me and he was like hey you did a great job on the pilot um i have this music video i just like want to check in with you are you okay with like um, off color humor. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, totally. Like, like, what's up? And he's like, I have this music video for a buddy. Um, it's called my dick. <laughs> Can you work on it? And I was like, sure. So, um, so, so, so that's when I met Tony. Um, so, so it actually worked with Tony before I worked with Jim. Um, and
1: was that, was American Vandal already? made? No, that
2: was before American Vandal. Oh, um, but so he yeah. did
1: all the little dicky stuff.
2: Um, yeah, so I did the Little Dicky f- Freaky Friday video, which was super or, fun.
1: But he had done the other Little Dicky stuff before. Is yeah, because my Dick, it, you're saying it's Three O Three is the name of the band? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: So, yeah, I know Little Dicky. Well, my Dick. Dick's, it's very, yeah. <laughs> it's very confusing. Um, but uh, but yeah, and, and Tony and Jim are friends, and I think I think that's how Matt knows them. I don't know. It's like it's just kind of this whole group of people that Matt or become, Vanishing mm-hmm. Angle. Miller. No, Matt. Yeah, yeah Matt yeah, Miller. Yeah. 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 So. Um, Yeah, it's just is kind of a small world uh, that I worked with a lot of the same people. I think what's
1: awesome about your story and why it's different than a lot of stories we hear is because you started kind of doing something you loved and then you're making your own things and you had reasons and you were very excited. Then you got like the, you know, into the the movies that like you said are just made to make money, but they're not really anyone's passion project. Um, And somehow you like veered back into like artful movies that are good and then now you're like making artful movies that are good that have budgets which is like kind of the holy grail
0: well i think the secret though is that i think there are plenty of people who have movies under their belts and like they're like hey jim i love you but like i can't make a movie for no money right um not to say that there was no money but like it wasn't millions of dollars right so it's going to be really hard Right. And so. And think, did you produce Thunder Road the short?
2: No, that was before I met Jim. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but his next nine short films after
1: that. Oh, right. right.
2: Um, and a film called The Robbery that went to Sundance. Um, and uh, yeah, a bunch of others.
0: Yeah. But, but so, you know, you'd be like, dude, I did nine shorts with a for you for a, a digital platform that doesn't exist anymore. I'm going to go like do something more lucrative. Right. That would be an easy decision to make. Um, but that's how. Like if you build a team, right, and a community where you're making things together regularly all the time, that's how it kind of slowly builds into something where you have real budgets all of a sudden, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I say say a lot, find your tribe. Like to me, I get to make, cool projects with my friends. And that is like the dream job. And I don't care if it's micro budget. Like, you know, this MGM project that we just did like has like a decent budget, but now the beta test that we're doing is another like micro budget, ultra low budget, um, film. And so we're kind of like hopping back and forth and to us, it doesn't matter. You know, we're just, we're just trying to make cool work and we're doing it with all the people that we love and respect. And so, um, I would much rather work on a low budget movie and get paid very little, but work with people that I really care about, um, and, and respect and, and who I trust Than um, you know, I've been on like the bigger budget sets where it can be like a more sure. toxic environment. And- right.
0: Let me ask in terms of the decision-making process in terms of like what you guys are making next, right? Is it as simple as like, Oh, like, you know, we pitched this, you know, studio and they said, yes. Like, how, how are you deciding what those next steps are, right? Like, you're just on this, this treadmill now of making all of these great movies. Do you weigh in and say, hey, guys, I want to do this thing? Or is it just kind of more of, like, catch what catch and catch can?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's like a little bit of both. Um, So, there's definitely – so, I'm doing a, a project um beginning of next year that's, like, a, a much bigger budget movie, like, three times you know like what this um this mgm movie was uh that's gonna be really exciting and that's was just something where we got recommended as a production company um Mm -hmm. and like the producing team and it's like Great! This movie got you know is getting financed. like let like let's do it and we happened to be able to pitch a director that we really loved Josh Rubin I don't know if you guys sure yeah of course yeah he's been on the podcast yeah Um, oh awesome great yeah so I love Josh so so we actually pitched him they didn't have a director attached and we were like we think we have a really great director for this Um, and so we sent him to them and they loved him and so he's now directing it and so it like it was one of those things that was like okay cool this is like a script that's like it's fun Mm -hmm. you know but like might not be the thing that we like necessarily pick to do as like our next big thing but then getting to pitch josh and hearing his take on it and a filmmaker that we care about then all of a sudden it becomes like oh we can make this something really really awesome together awesome um but yeah i don't know it's all
1: he's also a college humor guy
2: um yeah yeah it's a song so how did
1: you did you work with him on stuff before so
2: i forget how i initially met josh i think the girls actually recommended me to him. He mm-hmm. asked me to produce a short film of his a while ago and I wasn't able to for because of scheduling. Um and then he knew Matt Miller somehow and he, like he just been kind of circling in our friend group and he and Jim had become friends. Um and then when he so he just finished his first feature um and that's like getting submitted to festivals right now and so he had invited Me to this like feedback screening, like one of his like first feedback screenings, and I had went and saw it, and I was like, Josh this is like really good." I went in with no expectations. I had I had no idea what it was about. I had no idea like if it was going to be good. I had I had no idea, and I watched, and I was like, "This is great." Um, and I gave him some thoughts, you know, and um, and it was actually based off of seeing that we had this like meeting for this new movie, um, like a couple weeks later, Mm -hmm. and like having seen that, I'm like, "Oh, that's the exact same tone as this movie needs," and so it was an easy pitch to make. Um, wow, but that's
0: pretty lucky if you're Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's jumping yeah.
2: from like a micro budget to a like sure. full union. <laughs> sure, sure.
0: Well, but I, I think also you have to take a look at like he made the micro budget movie that that's the reason you thought of him, right? Mm-hmm. He did the thing, he did it scrappy, just mm-hmm. shot it, right? And also has like a formidable commercial career. So he had the experience of knowing how to deal with large crews in a, in a and also real pitch, meaningful way. Pitch to client, mm-hmm. which was like the big sure. thing.
2: He was able to do a really, really great pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, his, his first feature was like total micro budget. He shot it at like his family's cabin. Like mm-hmm. it was just like him and a friend who were in it. Like it's like super, you know, tiny, but he knew that that's what he could do. And he took a lot of like, um, you know, you know, plays out of the Thunder Road book, so to speak of like, you know, just like figuring out how to just get it get
0: it done he's also in a movie called what children do that i remember i talked to him about it i haven't seen that Uh, wasn't the
1: director on our podcast yeah
0: dean peterson dean peterson was on the show or is Um, dean
1: peterson the guy that murdered his wife in san francisco
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know funny enough same guy yeah Um, Talented yeah. filming, <laughs> yeah, yeah. horrible husband.
1: Yeah. and
2: and Josh is also he he was in Greener Grass, but his scene got cut, which no! is such a bummer. Uh, that's such a bummer. Um, he plays this like pool, like the swimming coach at this at this community pool, and <laughs> he is really hilarious. Funny. But his scene is in the like extras oh, on like sure. iTunes and on and on the DVD. So awesome. if you want to see Josh, <laughs> oh, cool.
1: I mean, it's pretty hard to not see Josh. I feel like he's in every other <laughs> thing I so much. I've yeah.
2: yeah. He's incredible. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to get to finally produce for him um, beginning of next year. Right.
1: That's awesome. I mean, he is lucky in that he made this movie that hasn't even played a festival yet. And it's his first movie. And he has this yeah giant multi-million yeah, well, that, dollar movie. Again, though, I think it's important. I can, I'm not so saying I can, he's not talented, but no, sure, sure, sure. I'm
0: saying, you know. But more importantly, I think taking a step back, I feel like, especially when I was younger, I I would listen to a podcast like this and I would be like, how is it that all of these people are friends with each other and they all know each other and they're all hiring each other. This is the coolest thing I've ever heard of. And also it seems impenetrable. Impenetrable. How do you, how do you become a part of that scene? How does that happen? And I think it's just important to point out that like a, you know, this is 10, 15 years in the making, right? Like Josh was in New York working on like dumb college humor sketches before it was a real company right and that's kind of a thing that helped coalesce work and opportunity for people and that we could all kind of like be in the same room together right but we all had to kind of move to new york move to la figure it out you know practice right level up do these commercials do a bunch of micro budget shorts do a bunch of micro-budget features, and then now it's like, oh, we all get to see each other at a fun release party, you know? Well,
2: and he was really good about like checking in and following up which is like so important and I think people don't give it enough credit and I think they're scared to do it or how to do it and some people do it really wrong let's um, talk about that yeah, actually yeah because,
0: because I'm sure that I'm one of those people Yeah, <laughs> like you're just like who is you, um, you can you're swe- literally you can see me sweating as I'm typing the like yeah just like, uh, I know you're in, really busy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's
2: it's it's an art and 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 I get those reach outs a lot and like and and the difference between the ones that are good and bad mm-hmm. are like it's it's such a drastic chasm. Um, but okay, yeah. let's start
1: with the bad ones. What's the bad reach? <laughs> well, I mean?
2: well, let's start with Josh because because Josh, you know, he checked in about a short film. like he he like I was recommended to him to produce a short film years ago. I wasn't able to do it. And instead of, like, you know, being upset that I wasn't able to do it or, like, you know, he just continued to check in, like, every once in a while. He was in greener grass. So he's- well, hold
0: on. What what would he say, though? I'm, I'm, we're going to get nitty gritty. Sure. Maybe, um, maybe let's let's make it a tiny bit more abstract. Josh is, like, a good example but in general in a general good, a good check-in so would be.
2: yeah so a good check-in is like you know hey are you able to you know work on my project no okay great like no worries um and then every few months you know mm-hmm. maybe like every three to six months just checking in to be like hey hope you're well um uh, if you have something new to share it's like hey i had this new short film just you know just wanted to send it to you and no pressure to act like like it's there's no you know can't no like, to hear your feedback. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's just like here. Here's this thing, and even if I don't watch it, I'm still like, "Oh, that person, right? Top Made of mind, a thing. Yep. yeah." And then, um, and then also checking in to say congratulations. So, like, mm-hmm. so checking in every every few months if you have something new to share, and then also checking in every few months to be like, "Hey, I saw, I saw Hi. you have green grass in theaters. Congrats. Congrats!" Yeah. And there's no.
1: Wow, that's a that's a pretty a big one.
0: That's a good. That's such because a good. Because I'm one. always
1: like, "Oh, they're yeah." Hey, actually, Maggie Kylie, who's on the podcast. Sure. Sure she's Kara my wife auditioned for something she's directing uh yesterday and I was like should I just send her a note and just say what's up and then I I know that she just had this big Warner Brothers deal like a whatever you call those deals um and um and I emailed her I was like hey congrats on the Warner deal and just just letting you know just putting it out there my wife auditioned for your your episode yesterday and she wrote back and she's like oh thanks so much you know and I was like I, I don't know. I just felt weird. Like everyone's probably congratulating her on this deal. Like I don't want right. to be that but person that's, that's nice. like piling on. Sh- it's like the happy birthday people on Facebook that you don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, well
0: there's a difference between not knowing them and like a, on Facebook and an email.
2: A personal email that's just like checking in. Yeah. You'd be surprised like how few of those I get. I get a lot of like, you know, like Facebook congrats or whatever. But just getting like a personal congrats is just like, hey, I saw this thing, you know, awesome. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like a regular person that I'm used to getting emails from. And, and if something pops up in those three months, that person's now top of my top mind. Of I'm mind. like, Oh, I yeah. want right. to like find something for them. And, and also to, um,
1: and so shouldn't you put your headshot and your signature <laughs> so, so you remember them?
2: Well, and, and, and I do get reach outs where, um, you know, people are like, I, I want to get coffee with you. And I'm like, awesome. And I try to schedule as many general meetings as possible. Like, it's like really important to me to like meet new filmmakers, but sometimes like right now, for example, for the next like two weeks, it is so hard to schedule just because I'm working like 12 to 16 hour days. I like, I just like for my health, I just can't be adding more to that. Yeah. I Um, mean,
0: it took us six months probably to book this conversation. Yeah. right. Like that's just how long it takes to get something on the books, yeah. Yeah. right? And you so, were a dancer when we tried to book you. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: yeah, and so and so sometimes I'll have like um I'll have people respond and get like really angry that that I have to schedule something so far out yeah. or that or that I won't sign on to their project or something and and I mean Josh like reached out to me years ago and 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 I've had other filmmakers with the same thing where the, the this DP that just shot a short film that I directed um, he, he had reached out to me, I think it was six or seven years ago. He had seen one of my dance films online. He really loved it. He's like, Hey, can we get coffee? We got coffee six years ago. And he just continued to check in, send me like, Hey, I just finished this feature. Here's a link. I just finished this feature. Here's a still, um, like maybe like once a year. And then when the short film came up, I was like, Hey, I want to test out working with that guy. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like let's do it. And so that was six years in the making. And I think some people, um, They don't realize how long of a game it is, but like you, it like you have to be committed and patient. But if you are, the payoff could be like really, really huge. Um, And don't be afraid to reach out. Like don't, don't. um, Like I always, I always welcome reach outs. Um, And like and sometimes like I'm not able to meet or whatever, but like I always welcome. You know, people just you know just checking in and saying hi. I mean, we had PAs on Thunder Road that were literally just just, like, tweeted at Jim and were like, hey, I want to help on your new movie. And he was like, come on down. And some of those PAs now work at VA mm-hmm. or, like, you know, they're, like, now part of the family. It's, like, it's, it's just becoming part of the family, finding your tribe. And and once you find your tribe, then, like, that – it just slowly kind of, you know, expands. Balloons, sure. and That's how
0: you get to make three movies in a row. Yeah, yeah. And, and what are lo- you – Sorry, go just going back yeah. real quick before Perfect. we move on. The thing I love about the congrats email is that then – it takes the pressure off the sender to have something new, right? Because mm-hmm. we all know that it takes a while to like get certain things going, you know, maybe like, you know, that short film took six months, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to wait to reach out. Like if timing's right, then then you're good to go basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked to each other about this. Like,
1: hey, is it weird if I check in again after two weeks? And we're like, well, maybe if you had something new to add or something changed right, on the right, project. Exactly. But, um, but the congrats move, but the that's congrats, a real there move. There go. And That's I think a real
0: like, LinkedIn hacker there, <laughs> <laughs> but also like it doesn't literally have to be that. I think that there are probably other things that we're not thinking of, mm-hmm. blind spots where it's not just "let me tell you about myself." It's like, "Hey, I want to acknowledge a thing that I admire about you."
2: Yeah, you know? and I think it just it's um uh, one of the best things I heard, and I heard this back in the dance world where they they used to say, "You're not auditioning for this audition in this project. You're auditioning for the next one," and so that takes the pressure off of that audition of like, I have to get this and there's this desperation and you can kind of like feel it. It kind of Mm -hmm. oozes off of you. And instead if it's just like, hey, I'm just here to like make a friend, start a relationship and we'll see where it goes. And maybe you'll cast me in your next thing. Like then, then all of a sudden it becomes like, oh, cool. You're just like a person and a human. And like, let's just like chat and like talk. And then I end up like, you know, crewing up with that person or casting them or, you know, whatever it is.
1: Do you guys think that it works with actors too? Oh, I feel absolutely. Like a I've, lot of I've times. I've cast
2: people based off of that.
1: Yeah. Where or they've just
2: like reached out and been like, hey, congrats on something. And I'm like, oh, I totally forgot about you. I want you to self tape tonight, you mm-hmm. know, for this project that we're crewing up, like that we're casting up. Like that's happened all the time.
1: Yeah. Or even that. Cause I feel like I've worked with like actors I really liked a lot, like 10 years ago, but then we just kind of like lost touch. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like it would be weird for me to
0: email them. But if I, I think an Keeping actor would love it if you emailed them with like, hey, will you audition for this thing? I think that's the one time where it's always okay. Right. I think it is tricky because we're talking about a, a an ease of communication that not everybody always has, right? And so actors, I feel like, because you you were saying before, like, oh, the, there's a vibe that you can sense in people when they need something. or mm-hmm. You know, we, I refer to it as being sweaty. <laughs> actors oftentimes have that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like where... I understand you want that role so badly. And so you come on too strong and you send me a headshot and you send me an email and it's, it can be a turnoff. Right. And so I guess really all I'm trying to say is people listening at home, right. Take a deep breath. Remember there's a lot of different ways to figure it out. And like maybe the congrats email is your move and maybe it's something a little more hands off or a little more subtle, but I, you know, I think knowing and taking solace in it being a long game again takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah,
2: it should it should be a comfort that it's a long game yeah. that it's just like hey like like there's no pressure it's just like you're just like put like planting the seeds and mm-hmm. like that's that's the only thing that you're doing you're, you're planting the seeds. Um yeah, and and you know like something else it's like a little bit harder to do especially if you're you know super busy or whatever but like also if there's someone that you just really admire and like really want to work with just like check in with them and say Hey, like I really admire your work. Is there any way like that I can help you on your next project? Is there, is there anything that you need that I could help with? Like, don't need to be paid, just whatever, just like checking in. And I can't tell you how many times it has been like people have reached out to me and I'm like, sure, like I'll I'll use some extra help. They'll come and like do a couple days for free and then like they're now like cr- crewed up for, you know, and hired right. for the next like three sure. years. Um, so it, you know, it sucks to like be like, oh, well, I have to put in time for free. But mm-hmm. it's like if you just get in. The group then you know you'll eventually get
0: you'll you'll get there yeah yeah i think also it's tricky you want to i think people can be transparent with the amount of time that they have to give right like i think sometimes people hear like oh i have to work for free well i've got to work to eat you know um which is a hundred percent valid and you know everyone has different circumstances but with whatever free time that you do have and especially early on when you're young you maybe have fewer responsibilities or fewer you know um yeah fewer responsibilities just giving what time you have as authentically and openly as you can i think is the other part of that conversation you know like if you're like hey i've only got 6 hours a week like make them count and be clear with people you know and yeah. then
2: And that's actually more helpful sometimes Mm -hmm, to like to to have someone come in and be like, hey, I have, you know, two hours every Monday that I would love to like learn how to produce. Like, is there anything that you might need help with? Can I just come by the offices Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Great. And, then, and
1: be reliable. I feel like way. you're gonna yeah. get so many emails once this episode comes out. Just congratulating <laughs> you on whatever.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be like right in the middle of shooting yeah, beta. Like so I might not get back to
1: people until correct. December. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like
0: Natalie.metzker. N Metzger, no dot.
1: Um Well, so you said earlier that it's that people always ask you uh like what you look for in a project and you really tell them it's like what you look for in a person, but I, I'm going to be annoying and ask you, is there something if Jim comes to you or Don uh, and Jocelyn or Josh Rubin or who any of these people, Tony has to come to you with a project and you have to decide what you're going to spend your next six months on or a year or whatever. What's like, what gets you excited about a project aside um, from the filmmaker?
2: I really love sci-fi and I haven't gotten to produce a sci-fi yet, except for the short that I just directed. Um, but yeah, it's a genre that I just like love personally and I feel like, um, yeah, I want to see more of and like and and uh, uh, showing science as being, you know, cool and like knowledge as being cool, I think is also important mm-hmm. in the current climate. Yeah, that's so that's
0: you... way too nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you can get a, is it a MacArthur grant? I think there's grant money out there for showing science in an interesting life. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Sloan, Sloan. Sloan yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. If
2: you want to hit, hit to my heart, it's, it's yeah. science. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Guys don't hit send on that email yet. <laughs> yeah. Put uh yeah. Some Einstein's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mention your Mensa membership. <laughs> is um well, so how about your directing? Like how, what's, I mean, you're, how are you finding time to direct and produce and congratulate um, all at the same time?
2: Yeah. It's weird. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm 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 somehow juggling it. Um, I just I just did this sci-fi short called Immortal, which we just finished. Um, like a couple weeks ago. Kingdoms. Um Thanks. That's awesome. Um, Can you tell us the so, logline? Uh, yeah, it's this um, this genetic biologist that uh she is trying uh to search for a cure for death. Um, and she started doing her own research because no one else takes it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um. And when it gets discovered, uh, is that
0: the she premise of Reanimator? I think that might be the premise of Reanimator.
2: I need to see Reanimator because I haven't sure. seen it. <laughs> I,
0: I think you're you're okay unless you it's, chop a head off and then use that to go down on a person. <laughs> then you're really in trouble. <laughs> then then um, I really like yeah. rethink things, no. but.
2: This is like very yeah. like grounded sci-fi. Like, yeah. like we actually, I'm just obsessed with the actual science of this, mm-hmm. the actual like anti-aging research. Um, it's very, very fascinating to me. Um, and so we've been like working with like experts that are actually researching this kind of stuff because it's real. Like this stuff is really real. Um, so anyway. Uh, yeah. So we've been digging into that. Um, it actually started. You guys looking as, at
1: the CRISPR stuff?
2: Um, yeah, a little bit, um, kind of it's, it's like all related. Like I won't get into the nerdy science details cause it's like, it's, I can go down a rabbit hole, but it's these, uh, the ends of your DNA strands have these things called telomeres, which are like little like shoelace caps. Right. That's, you can tell um, how old someone is. With um, those. yeah, right? exactly. And so if you can figure out how to keep those telomeres long, then you can like potentially extend hmm. life. Um, they've been able to do it in rats, but anyway, it's this whole thing that I'm fascinated by. Um, and so we wrote, um, my, my writing partner and I, um, Bob Blair, uh we wrote this feature script that won the gold prize at the Page Awards a couple years ago. Awesome. And, um, and we, we were really excited about it. And then I ended up like that was when I started producing a ton of back-to-back features and so we like we just haven't had a chance to do anything with it um and this year we were like you know what like we want to do something with it we're just going to do a short and so we wrote a short film version very separate from from the feature but just like same characters and concept and um yeah we shot it in between all these other projects um and And you just paid for it yourself um yeah yeah just like as a a, like a a testing ground for just pull like a little bit
0: of money from each feature you're producing. Yeah. Um, you seen, uh, Superman 2 I think it is yeah, yeah my uh
2: he's he's a composer so he actually has um he gets this stuff called mailbox money you know just like royalties oh, from, right. from oh, shows sure. that he's done yeah. you know and he's like you know worked on big projects like American Horror Story and other things and mm-hmm. so um so that that's definitely helped with that yeah a little that bit budget. of that, that
1: Netflix money <laughs> but, but also you probably have like the best crew that um,
2: yeah, I mean, luckily, we had an amazing team of people that, that, that came together that all worked for very, very cheap to help make it happen. Um, and, and we wrote it with budget in mind. Um, but yeah, so now we're like starting to get that feature up and running. Um, and then I'm also directing this, um, like branded short doc uh, that I'm shooting in between beta and the end of the year. So,
1: um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so do you get stressed out at all?
2: i um, I definitely get stressed for sure. I um
0: get like a spa day or two in there as well.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I feel i I wish I had time for a spa day. But um no, but I mean like it's it's also amazing. I'm like I'm I'm making movies with my friends. Like, you know, we call it work and like I'm at the office for very long hours, but mm-hmm. it's also like I'm doing what I love. So it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like I need a break from it. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, I mean, obviously getting some some sleep would be nice. But um sure. but outside of that, it's just I don't know. It's it's fun. It's amazing. It's cool. It's yeah, the best yeah. job ever.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's the there's probably some hard parts, right? I mean, there's oh, like for sure. the contracts and negotiating and things yeah. falling well, apart. and on
2: and on projects like Greener Grass, um, well, and Thunder Road where I was doing all of that myself. There was no legal. There was no accountant. There was mm-hmm. no BPM. It's like <laughs> I'm doing everything. Um, but uh but yeah, but it's still fun.
0: And do you feel like you learned on the job with those situations or was it something where like you felt like, oh, you know, I've done this a handful of times and I've, you know, kept an eye on the accountant and things like that?
2: Um, yeah, I've just kind of always done that. I've I'm I'm like a little O C D. So I'm the kind of person that really loves like spreadsheets and mm-hmm. color coding and like and and budgets and, and those things. So I um I just kind of naturally Was like doing budgets and stuff for for Mm -hmm. my previous projects and like cost reporting and accounting. Just kind of I like yeah I started to learn and just do.
0: There there is a jump though right. There's the like okay like I get how much you know I'm gonna spend on this camera rental to like gap formatting on your (laughs) you know I don't even know how to finish that sentence but you know what I mean like there's like there's like an extra level of you know being like part lawyer part accountant. Mm You know,
2: yeah, the that
0: takes an, a special brain, I guess is what I mean to say.
2: Yeah, I guess. Um,
0: to be able to like format an accounting situation and also give creative notes, yeah, is, you're a bit of a unicorn in that way. <laughs> That's why they're there, there multiple jobs. You know?
2: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, uh, a lot of it, you know, um, I, I read a lot of books. Uh, which I think helps like I like totally when I first started producing like a lot of those like shorts I was just producing for free I just read as many producing books as I could like I went to the library I went to Brenton Noble I was just like um processing a lot of um like a lot of stuff so that stuff definitely helped any off Um, the
1: top of your head that you remember the titles of
2: um Oh, gosh, it's been a while. They uh, also
0: all have terrible titles. Right. They do. It's, it's like, like the, the producer producing seeing the him. movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but, like, but also, I, I had a great resource. So early on, I started working with Women in Film. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a PSA program. And so they do four commercials um, a year for different nonprofits. That's um, great. That's um, and, a good one. And they raise the budget for those commercials so that the nonprofit doesn't have to pay for their own commercial. Um, but so they, it's great because they they get this team together together. Um, and so you like pick out the nonprofit that that you think you like vote on on which nonprofit gets the commercial. You um, work on the creative and like send it to client and go back on like notes and back and forth and then you make it and then it gets like broadcast on air at the end of the year. And
0: so and this is all volunteer based though. It's right? All yeah. you
2: know, yeah, all yeah. volunteer. But it's like it you know the meetings happen I think once a month and so it's like twelve twelve meetings a year. Sure. Um. And so I started doing that really really early on. And that's where I got um, a lot of my commercial experience and like and, and, and being on bigger sets where it's like, cool, there's 70 crew members and I'm learning how to do this. And I very quickly, I think the first one I like PA'd on and then the next one I was an associate producer on, the next one I produced and then like the next two I directed and then and I became an EP. Um, a
0: year and a half, it sounds like, basically. Like yeah. Basically, if there's four a year, right?
2: Um so I was only doing like one or two a year. Oh, gotcha. Um yeah, so it was like, oh, like, like over the course of 3 years. Still, um, yeah. and then I ended up on their business affairs committee. So um I was like the one picking who was producing and directing and um yeah, that was like a great resource just to 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 learn how other people did it cuz mm-hmm. like I had kind of created my own systems, my own workflows, like my own um spreadsheet templates and my own things and I'm like, "Oh, this is how someone else does it." But the thing that I learned on that that I think is important for people to know is that I like I thought that I was A total hack like I I was like well I just I just created these spreadsheets because like it's what made sense to me Mm -hmm. um but like how did the real people do it and then I saw that the real people like it actually wasn't that different from what they were doing. And yeah. they
0: are just worse. made it themselves as well. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, or, or, maybe they're worse yeah, at spreadsheets. Or, like, or, yeah,
2: or sometimes I was like, why are they doing it that way? It makes a lot yeah. more sense to do it this way. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, it was just kind of like one of those things where I learned what I could on set. I like read a lot. And then I just like did a lot. Like I did a ton of short films, like a ton of commercials, music videos, whatever I could get on set for, whatever I could like learn. Um, and so eventually it got to the point where like, it doesn't feel complicated to mm-hmm. me and like the legal stuff in terms of like negotiating with like agents and and talent. Um, I feel like that's like a lot of just people skills and being able to, to, to talk to people. And, and I kind of have like a, a no diva policy. And so mm-hmm. when agents come with like crazy stuff, like I just, um, I was told recently uh, by, by an agent um, who like saw me at Sundance, he's like, you're Natalie Metzger. And I, I was like, Yes, who are you? And he was like, "Oh, I represent so and so. We've been, you know, going back and forth." And he's like, "You're a fierce negotiator." <laughs> and I was like, "I mean, it, like maybe, but it's also I know what the budget has, you know, has. I sure. made the budget. I know what we have. Like it's all one person doing it all. So I know like intrinsically exactly what can be spent on every right. single thing. And like we didn't have any more to give you. So like I'm not a fierce negotiator. I just like know what the limit is and I'm not willing to be bullied. yeah um, I think
0: agents maybe have sometimes this old school thought of like oh she's holding out on me. Totally. Like they're just mm-hmm. spending that trailer money mm-hmm. on something else.
2: Well and they do bully people because sure. like like I like you I know I mean I've, they're
0: kind of professional bullies. They are. That's oh, kind absolutely. of it. Yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah. Um and I mean So and, there's hope for your great- shithead
0: kids out there everyone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And I mean, and great for them to be able to get their clients. You know, the better thing. Like, sure. I'm all about you know people being you know paid well and you know and all those things. But you know, like with, with a lot of our projects that are micro budget, it's ju- it's just you know, the, you know, this is what we have is your client in and out. If they're if they're out, it's totally fine. Like we can go to someone else. Yeah. Um, and there are plenty
0: of famous people, you
1: know? <laughs>
2: right? Or like or non famous people that are actually really amazing, but are getting right. overlooked because they don't have a
1: name. Well, right. Can we just talk about that for a second? I mean, I know uh, you're. What's another thing that's impressive about you and the movies you've made is they're very successful kind of, despite not having, uh, you know, not all of them having like very famous people in them. Like, and I know a lot of our listeners, like they always think that's like how they're going to make their movie, get their movie made is they attach someone like, what's your take on that and how important it is. And is that something that you work on a lot?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough thing. You, uh, I feel like it depends on the budget level of like whether you need to think of name talent or not. I mean, it It never hurts to have name talent um, for things that are, you know, over. I disagree. Sometimes it does. Yeah. OK, sorry. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you're over two million um you know, having some kind of name talent, you know, and you can, you know, go back and forth of like what actually is name talent or not, or like the level. But over two million, if you're trying to raise that, you probably need to have someone attached that's at least recognizable. Maybe that isn't a name, you know, so to speak. But um but if you're doing a micro budget. There are other ways to get your movie financed, you know, of like just someone that has seen your work at a festival and like really, you know, is like supportive of it. That's how Thunder Road got made. Um, Or like doing things like crowd equity. So the beta test we financed through this new platform called WeFunder, um, which is crowd equity, so it's different than Kickstarter. So instead of like giving a hundred dollars and you get like a poster back, instead you invest a hundred dollars and you are a profit participant that's getting a hundred and twenty percent back off of yeah. your investment. Um, and that's, so it's
0: funny you bring that up actually because my wife is doing a movie in January, mm. uh, and we are launching a WeFunder November fourth. Awesome! Yeah, oh yeah. really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and it's it's Christmas? quite exciting, huh? Christmas movie? The Christmas movie? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and I, so far I can't say uh, nice enough things about them. Like the the TLC that you get and like how much support and how much handholding they give you is really frank, like remarkable. Like we have a point person I've had like multiple conversations with all of them. They can like point you in the right direction in terms of like what sort of help you need and like how to get it, or maybe like what other people have done. There's all sorts of really interesting ways that they're helping out in a way that like a kickstarter you're just kind of like pushed in off the deep end like there's literally not a a person out there that can help you whereas like they reached out to us like we just kind of signed up to be like oh we're gonna start a little dummy profile and they were like hey like is this real let's talk about it Mm -hmm. right yeah how does it work like from a legal standpoint let's
1: say you raise 200 grand to make your movie Mm -hmm. and then you're done shooting and you're out of money you're over budget you still need to do post you need another hundred grand and and a, and a big investor comes in with 100 grand does that dilute so
2: you can't bring in an additional investor for 100 grand you have to make it work for the initial budget it's oh, yeah wow. yeah it's like it's like so so you've like agreed to like a certain split so each you know investor gets like a certain amount i guess you could potentially renegotiate with everyone but like we have a ton of different investors for you know for beta test i forget the exact number but um but we raised 350k in 12 days wow um and we were taking a lot of K's we we were taking bets internally at the office of um of like how long it would take to raise mm-hmm. the money and if we would even raise it and 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 it was also one of those things of um of you know like we were kind of testing it out like is this even sure. a thing that works for like kind of self-financing and it's not self-financing but like like kind of taking the initiative on your own and um and we did it, and like, and um, Matt Miller won. Uh, I, I, I was the most conservative. I'm like, it's gonna take at least five weeks if, if we get it. Um, and Matt was like two weeks, and it ended up being twelve days. It was, it was so fast. Um, and you know, and people, it's, it, it's similar with Kickstarter where you have like different levels, so people can get like. In exchange for giving fifty thousand dollars, they get an executive producer credit and like a logo on the movie. Or, you know, like they get perks beyond okay. just being a profit participant. But um, but like, but but it's also cool because it puts the audience in control of like they're like, I, you know, am investing in this movie and mm-hmm. I want to see this get made, which is great. But then also like, if it does well, I can make money off of it. So they're also like encouraged to like help the right. movie be successful.
1: That's like Tesla was selling off shares of the company you know to make the first line Mm -hmm. of cars um did uh what was i gonna ask oh um do you think you raised that much money so fast because jim has like a pretty strong social media yeah
2: definitely i mean i mean that that definitely helped um because like the crazy thing about it is that we didn't even share a script so we raised that amount of money without even sure. sharing a script. When did you share? Um, uh, Jim did a little video, and um, there was like a little blurb about what the film was about. Um, and that was kind
1: of it. How many kind of people? <laughs> how many followers does he have? <laughs> I mean, he's uh, you know, he has definitely,
2: a, you know, an audience base and fan base, but... Um, but yeah, I think I think you know if you if you can also keep the budgets economical, mm-hmm. then like that like that allows you to take a lot more creative risk and allows you to get your movie made faster. Which is sure. like I think I think sometimes I I hear filmmakers that are like, oh well I need at least two million dollars for my first feature. I, I need at least a million dollars for my first feature. And I'm like, okay, well that might take you years to raise, and you might raise it, which is would be great. Sure. But like you also might not ever raise it and and wouldn't it be better just to make a feature now that's cheaper that you can figure out how to do cleverly creative problem solve to get the budget lower make that and then let the two million dollar be your second feature you know like
0: like figure out ways just just to make it just shoot it you know we had sarah dina smith on who's now got an overall deal at amazon and uh show shot all of uh looking for alaska and hannah before that is like a you know a big deal fancy director now um and st- her first feature, like all of the money, sort of fell through last minute, and then like she had to scramble. Shot her fir- her what became her first feature for fifty thousand dollars, and she point blank was like, "No one's going to give you two million dollars. Lip- no yeah. one's going to do it." They won't. They it, so it's, you're like it's it's you. We never want to say you're that. Josh Rubin it and it's, Natalie was at your <laughs> screening, but Josh already shot a movie before that and had a huge commercial career.
2: Yeah, and he did his first feature for that he like did himself, that he used the resources that he had that was sure. a total micro budget, very, very low budget. Um and so the fact that he had that and yeah, and like reached out about the screening and the fact that I happened to be available was awesome. And then like and we saw it and we pitched him. But um yeah, I don't know. I think I think people sometimes like hold out for this thing. And like it's just that used to be the way that it was, sure. and it just like isn't anymore. It just just is- because there's so there's so much content, um, and it's and it's really hard to get a first feature. You know, financed. Um. So, it, but if but if you can prove it, if you can do it on your own, and there's ways to you know not only you know do crowd equity, but like also self distribute. So like you can kind of like be in control the whole time. Um. And uh, and if you do it right, then uh, you'll get your next movie made. Yeah. Awesome. There
1: you go. And Jim has
0: seventy nine thousand Twitter followers. Uh. Um, and he follows forty nine thousand. Yeah. There you go. Um. But we we could we should do a whole episode on equity crowdfunding soon. Um. But I would say. Cause having looked at both Jim's WeFunder and then a handful of others, there's not that many films out there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to look at the other ones that don't have the same sort of social media following that still are raising six figures. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I don't I don't want to be like, hey, this is the silver bullet for everybody to fix everything. They, they're, they've been very clear it's still a long road. Crowdfunding, no matter whether it's equity or Kickstarter, is, is a challenge mm-hmm. for sure. But I guess what I'm saying is like, if it's right for you, do your research, basically. Because... I know not everyone has the, a huge, you know, social media following or a podcast or whatever, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you can't make it happen. Um, and like we should do a micro or a, a, a equity crowdfunding conversation real, some other time. Real quick, Natalie, we've heard you use the word micro budget a bunch of times. And I come sometimes think of that as a dirty word, mm. you know, like we always joke about if you pitch the show on like how you made this your movie for zero dollars. I'm like, well, then it's probably not that good because you would lead with it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. And then maybe eventually you mentioned it was zero dollars. Um, but you say micro like it's no big thing. Right. How do you feel about micro budgets?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like to me, the word micro budget I, I usually use for anything under 250 K. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh yeah, I don't know. I think there is sometimes some, a freedom in, in micro budgets. I think it's like why you know after doing this um, this like studio movie for Jim's second feature, it's why we're you know doing a, like a, a micro budget as as a third feature. It's just there is a freedom in um, getting lean and mean with the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be so much more mobile. You can move so much quicker. Um, and as long as everyone knows what they're doing, um, sometimes like it it can actually sometimes be more fun. Now, granted, there's definitely been times when I've done a movie that's, that I'm just like, like, I am just doing everything and I can't, you know, like I can't even, I don't have the bandwidth to even be creative here. But, um, uh, but yeah, there can be a freedom with micro budgets that, um, and, and, and a, and a freedom from like like being able to take creative risks because the financial burden isn't necessarily on Mm -hmm. them. Um, They're more likely to make their money back. um, And so if they're good, Um, but So that helps to just like let you kind of do your thing. And I think sometimes it allows directors just to be able to be more truly themselves um, than to have like other feedback and other people.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, that's perfect. Talk about like wrapping it up perfectly. Yes. Um, Cool. Should we... Do you know about unpaid endorsements? Unpaid endorsements.
1: So I've been traveling a lot lately for work and my phone keeps dying on me. And I know like every person has like a charging stick or whatever and they like kind of work and they stop working you got them for free and you lose them um, but the the dp i've been working with has this awesome one and he uh it's called the mobile power bank 9000 milliamp it's this uh awesome thing it has like the it has a lightning cable a micro usb cable and a usb c cable all built into it so you could charge your phone and your laptop <laughs> like at the same time it's and it nice. fits in your pocket and it's 28 99 and I, I told uh my dp i was like hey what's the brand you have i want to buy one of those and then he's like hold on wait till cyber tuesday you'll get a way better deal and then i went and i saw him at a tech scout and he's like hey i got something for you and he just gave it to me ah. and um and it's something that i've noticed he does a lot like he gives like you know holiday gifts to like directors he works with and things and it's something that sometimes i i forget i mean i know producers are tend to be better at that type of relationship keeping but like even like as a DP or a different crew position, like kind of giving something, it's
0: kind of awesome. A nice little thank you gift, I love that. So that's it, a mobile power bank 9,000. I think I might buy one on Cyber Tuesday, unless Yuki, you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, Yuki, uh, Matt needs one. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie, uh, what you got?
2: I am really into docu-series. In fact, like most of the things that I um, consume outside of producing is nonfiction. Um, But there's this docu-series that I'm just obsessed with on Netflix called Explained. And I like recommend it to everyone that I know. They like – it's just like a 15-minute episode. And they have like two or three seasons now. And it's like different episodes are about completely random things like athleisure to – the female orgasm to the exclamation point, and like it's just like a little like um you know this is what this is this is like why it's interesting and it's like very very well researched and really um cool animations and graphics and it's just a really quick way to learn about something new um and it's once a week and I would highly highly recommend checking it out
0: explained it. explained on Netflix. Explained, Netflix yeah I love yeah. a fifteen minute episode too Netflix once a week that's a new thing yeah yeah they've been doing that their talk show format is like oh, yeah. that as well sometimes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Well, I've got two real quick, nice and fast. One, I know we talk about Reply All every once in a while on this show, Mm -hmm. but have you guys listened to the Feral Hogs episode? Is it recent? It's recent. Oh no, I might have missed it. And it is wonderful. It's filled with twists and turns. It's political. It's empathic. It's humanistic. It's everything that that show does really well. But like, literally every time I felt like, okay, well, this is the end. They've come to their conclusion of what this weird question of feral hogs in america and what it means politically um you, you found the conclusion there's a new twist to it so it's based off of uh a tweet that went viral a couple of weeks back about a man like in response to like talking about like gun violence um tweeting about uh what a person is supposed to do when 30 to 50 feral hogs are in his yard surrounding his children which sounds totally absurd anyway it's a real rabbit hole um but yeah it's really great it's like what podcasts should be doing it's like really um exciting and fun and then my other one is a a short documentary series called art house america it's on the criterion channel um and it's just like little mini docs on like charming art house theaters across the country and it is wonderful it's like Sounds like exactly, exactly Matt's uh, alley. I know, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I maybe cried in one. <laughs> oh, no. Well, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: so, Natalie, if people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, do you uh, tweet? Um, or anything? I'm,
2: I'm, I'm more of like a Instagram, oh, yeah. Instagram. Sure, yeah. Um, What's your Instagram? Um, um, I'm just at Natalie Metzger. Cool. Um, yeah, and you can also find me um, at Vanishing Angle, vanishingangle.com. You can get a hold
0: of me. Awesome. Awesome. And your email address? I'm teasing you? you. can guess it. Um, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> if you want to find out more about the podcast, uh, we're on everything across all social media at, at Just Shoot a Pod, or you can go to our website. We'll have show notes about everything we talked about. It's Just Shoot a uh,
0: What else? I'm on Instagram at Kaplan I'm at Mr. Madamow. This episode was edited by Jonathan Luna. Our producer is Madeline Rosewatt, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. You're listening to music by the artist Jazar and which is provided by the Free Music Archive. Additional ad music by MusicBed. Thanks Thanks, for watching, everyone. Bye.